0: Welcome to the Pediatric Moonshot Podcast. Today, I'm, I'm really pleased to have uh, Dr. Theresa Reddy join us. Uh, Theresa is a local product. I, I think, Theresa, were you born in Fremont? Where, where were you born? Born in Santa Clara, but grew up in Fremont, yeah. There it is, born in Santa Clara, grew up in Fremont. <laughs> uh, she uh, went to medical school at the University of California at Irvine. She did her residency at CHLA, Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. Uh, She got a fellowship at Lucille Packard and has gone on to be a clinician there, specializing in pediatric cardiology, as well as has a joint appointment as the clinical assistant professor of pediatric cardiology at Stanford University. Um, So I'm really pleased to have you here today, Theresa. We've been through this journey together for a while (laughs) <laughs> uh, so we met many years ago introduced by Matt Lundgren who some people know ran the AI and medicine program at Stanford and has since gone over to the dark side and now works at Microsoft and when I first met you you had a vision of something you call chamber so can you tell us a little bit more about what chamber was what were you thinking of why was this an interesting thing to work on?
1: Yeah, and it feels a little bit far, ago, a long time ago now, but um, <laughs> <laughs> Chamber was kind of my vision for um, bringing pediatric data together and really creating centralized data sets. And so, um, and, and now I'm, you know, trying to recall, but I think it was a children's hospital um, aggregate medical database for echo research. I was very proud of that, given the double entendre with Chamber being the four chambers of the heart. Um, but the idea was that when I first started doing kind of clinical research as a new faculty member, I realized that it was really hard to um, come up with adequate data sets that, um, that were, we were able to really utilize for our patients with congenital heart disease. The data sets were small, and in order to really make big clinical kind of judgments, you needed to have larger data sets, and that was pretty hard together with one institution, but there was no kind of easy platform or easy way to share data amongst institutions in, on, not just from a, a there, there were obviously the legal hurdles between for patient privacy, but there was really no tech, tech platform to allow for the easy sharing of creating those data sets, which people so clearly needed. People had been doing them in kind of, you know, small fashions and three to four hospitals working together to create um, kind of anonymized data sets. But it was really um, individuals working to anonymize the data, then put them together, then share them with a single institution, things like that. So I thought that coming up with a infrastructure to support that would really help. And then I kind of felt that there was a lot of potential to develop then machine learning algorithms which required tons of data that we would never be able to access in a single institution.
0: Yeah, and so it was, I mean, I can tell you when I first met you, I was like, wow, she's been thinking about what we've been thinking about. So so, uh, you've been a part of the moonshot of, uh, of, I'll call it the core team since really pretty much the beginning. You're probably the first pediatric cardiologist we ever spent real time with. (laughs) So we appreciate that. Uh, I remember saying to people, I used to, I used to say, the only thing I know about medicine is I know the difference between the left and right ventricle, because I know the difference between left and right. And and I think I said that to you and you said, well, that's just because you've only talked to adult cardiologists. So that's true. (laughs) So, uh, so you know the, you know, the mission that we've been on, right? And I think what I'd like to know is what difference do you think AI, artificial intelligence could make for kids? You know, whether you want to think about it nationally, rurally, globally, because obviously those are our aspirations. What difference will this make in kids' lives?
1: So I sorry, Tim, can you <laughs> You're going to have to cut this out. Can you, can you do this again? Yeah, no problem. Um, Sorry, my son's like screaming in the background. So I just (laughs) want to, I'm just trying to get my husband to move him away.
0: (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Uh, No problem. No problem. Uh, So uh, I'll, I'll start by saying, well, thank you for talking about chamber. It really is kind of how we first met and I felt like, you know, we were, we were talking about the same general ideas. You were really the first pediatric cardiologist we ever really talked to. And uh, I said, I used to say I knew the difference between the left and right ventricle because I knew the difference between left and right until I talked to you. And you said, <laughs> well, that's only because you're talking to adult cardiologists, right? So, <laughs> uh, so so thank you for being part of our education in this whole endeavor, in the Moonshot endeavor. Uh, as you know, we've talked about the fact that being able to create privacy-preserving real-time AI applications, using data from all million healthcare machines in all 500 children's hospitals could make a difference in children's medicine. But I'm really curious from your perspective, what what do you think the impacts are? If we're we can do AI for children's medicine, for pediatric cardiology, what will it mean on a global basis?
1: I think the impacts are enormous. I think that there are right now. We the way we think about pediatric echocardiography, and specifically, is that it's really the frontline diagnostic tool for for uh, you know our patients with um, with any sort of acquired or congenital heart disease. We use echo to really diagnose. We use it to manage treatment regimens. We use it to evaluate for change. We use it for surgical planning. We use it for everything, and it's it's really kind of the first line because it's non-invasive. It's you know re- you know it's relatively non-stressful for a child. It's just an ultrasound probe on the on a child's chest. So they come in for a clinic visit. They're getting an echo. So there's a ton. It's a treasure trove of data in terms of thinking about our patients with with any sort of heart defect or heart disease. Um, and when we think about developing algorithms. As kind of the joke you mentioned about the right and left ventricle, pediatric heart disease is really, really different than adult heart disease in most cases. And mm-hmm. so if so, right now, when we think about developing kind of machine learning algorithms, if they're developed on adults, they're not always, in, in fact, in most cases, they're not going to pertain to the pediatric heart. And so we can't, we can't kind of rest on all our laurels and expect that we're going to, you know, benefit from the adults solely. We need to be able to develop these algorithms on our patients models that are trained and validated on our patients. On top of that, there is, you know, that if we think about this from a global perspective, there are going to be large swaths of population that don't have access to um, you know, pediatric especially trained pediatric cardiologists, but they still have things that need to be monitored with an echo. So when I think about kind of the impact, I think about it as twofold. One, just developing algorithms that are pertinent to pediatric heart disease, both acquired and congenital heart disease that are trained on pediatric patients so that they are the most accurate and generalizable for those patients. And that really kind of will allow the innovation to blossom. And then I think the second is when we develop these types of algorithms, I think it could revolutionize kind of rural, care or places that don't have access to direct pediatric cardiology or direct kind of expert expertise, but still allow us to provide some care so that the technology can get into the hands of people who are, you know, really serving as frontline providers.
0: Yeah, I was reminded the other day by uh, our friend Serena that you don't have to go very far to see the difference in, in pediatric cardiology care, meaning just go to Salinas, which is what maybe 50 miles from where you and I are sitting right now. Uh, and it's not the same, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about, um, congenital heart disease? Uh, I mean, this is an area which kind of in a weird way broaches both adult medicine, meaning there's a mom there, uh, but also the child, uh, what are the unique challenges in, in congenital heart disease and what can be, what, What's the promise of the technology?
1: Yeah, I think I think when we're talking about kind of mom and baby, I think we're talking about the diagnosis of, of uh, congenital heart disease as a fetus. So kind of thinking mm-hmm. about the sphere of fetal cardiology, um, and I think this is certainly another one of those areas where, right now, we've we've still found that there are. Um, kind of some challenges when it comes to diagnosing congenital heart disease. And, um, you know, despite advances in kind of obstetrical ultrasound and, and things like that, there's kind of a range of 15 to 30% of cases that are undiagnosed with routine prenatal Mm -hmm. care. And so still there are infants that are born with, you know, pretty significant congenital heart disease that were not diagnosed. And so there is a gap there that needs to be, um, that needs to be filled and when they are referred to, to a pediatric cardiologist, then the, the results are obviously much better and there isn't as much of a challenge, but that gap really exists um, when, when it isn't recognized in their regular screening process. And it's tough because some of the things that are serious congenital heart disease are you know not easily recognizable by somebody who's not a cardiologist. So then the question becomes, are there ways that we can make that easier with some of these um, kind of advances in technology. And there have been some already, there's definitely great work in that area, but I think bringing it really to the bedside is, is the challenge so far.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, one of the things I, I, uh, I've learned is that uh, for a lot of people to really kind of focus why this all matters, uh, focusing on a, on a case is where, where you can learn a lot uh, you know, the Moonshot has very lofty goals. We've talked about it, you know, reducing healthcare care inequity, reducing the cost of health care by bi- diagnosing earlier, improving patient outcomes. But if I were to ask you, you know, we're whatever, it's a couple of years from now, we're super successful. We've built next generation AI cardiology applications. Can you imagine a kid or a child that was in your care? I don't know last week, last year, last month, uh, that you could tell me the story of what difference it would have made had we been successful earlier.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think continuing on, on the diagnosis of kind of the fetal one, we had almost this exact thing happened. We had a patient who came in and, um, you know, had, um, had presented for prenatal care, but unfortunately at, uh, you know, for, for a completely different reason for diabetes in the mom was evaluated kind of late in pregnancy, around 30 weeks. And it wasn't until that visit that the fetus was noted to have serious heart disease that would require immediate surgery. And I think the challenges that come with that are that, you know, there's, first of all, a lot of sudden, you know, maternal distress or familial distress related to finding out that something is, you know, severely severely wrong. The other is just more things like it disrupts all of the kind of plans for not just the coming weeks, but even the coming years, you're you're taking the decision out of a patient's hand about how they want to, you know, manage this. And then also um, you know, they have to relocate their whole families. Um, they may have childcare that they would have never thought of for their kind of existing children, or just the fact that they have a child now with you know serious congenital heart disease that they're going to be they're going to need to kind of change their 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 lifestyle for in order to kind of help and take care of that child. It's all it all comes as a surprise, and I think there right. there have already been studies that show that earlier diagnosis of congenital heart disease not only helps with outcomes, of course, and in this case, of course, we, you know, were able to make the diagnosis and make those shifts relatively quickly um, so that, you know, the patient could be delivered safely. But but you can imagine in cases where that you know that main would not have gone as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, luckily the kids in this area somehow and got connected to you guys somehow, right?
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, hey, Charitha, I really appreciate you taking the time today uh, out of your busy schedule. I know you just got back from the 8th World Congress of Pediatric Cardiology. Uh, what, you know, Just a few seconds on that. What was that like?
1: it was a great it was a great conference it was awesome to kind of see people from all over the world representing pediatric cardiologists and pediatric cardiac surgeons and talking about the advances and you know what's coming next for our field which is you know always always great and exciting but i know a lot of people are interested in what ai and what what kind of the advancement of technology is going to bring
0: just out of curiosity i mean you and i haven't talked about this but what what was some of the sentiments or whatever that came out of the Eighth World Congress uh, along this line of AI and pediatric cardiology? What did you feel like you heard from people? What did they think, et cetera?
1: Yeah, I, can, I mean, I can only speak to my personal sentiments, yeah. I guess, of what uh, what uh, kind of it felt like, but it, it feels like people are really excited. And I think people agree that some of the challenges that exist are how do you figure out how to really overcome some of these um, legal and infrastructure related hurdles to um, create platforms that make sharing and, um, you know, kind of development of these algorithms easier because people are excited, people want to work on it, but so far they're relegated to working on it in silos. And so thinking about ways to really uh, blow past some of those while still maintaining patient privacy and honoring our, you know, vulnerable populations, I think are are definitely the feelings that people um, have brought up.
0: Yeah, and definitely I think our work on what we call Gemini, building a AI Research Laboratory for Children's Medicine, initially really focused around uh, pediatric cardiology, where all the data stays uh, in place, right? In, in Rome, in London, in, in Delaware. Uh, and we can learn on that data, I think is, you know, a big shift in how people think about how you train AI in a decentralized way.
1: Yep. Absolutely. I think that will be a, you know, a big, a big mind shift. Um, and I hope, you know, something that can really show that there are creative solutions to some of the barriers that have been, you know, that, that, that people have concerns about.
0: Yeah. Well, on, uh, I, I look forward to our continuing progress. Uh, Theresa, you've been a, a very valuable member, uh, of the pediatric moonshot team and, uh, I don't think we'd have gotten here without you. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you. This is a great, great, exciting project.